This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the tailgate on the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank, thanking you for listening, downloading, subscribing. Tell a friend or two or ten as we continue to try to bring you the best information and cover all angles of the Sooner Nation. Today, we are pigeonhole-focused on the University of Oklahoma football team as we get set for Saturday's spring game. We'll learn a little bit more about this perceived new look on the defense as Dusty Dvorak will be in the booth on the TV side of things will join us to give us some defensive perspective and we'll head down to the field to talk to Teddy Lehman. Teddy will be on the radio call on the sidelines so we'll get a lot of perspective on the defensive side of the football as we get set for the OU spring game on Saturday but I wanted to start today's episode by talking about everything surrounding the spring game because it's more than just a practice. It's more than just a scrimmage. It's an actual event, an event that as a fan you get to experience for $5, just $5 to get into the gate. And there's so much more going on than just football. So we kick off the Sooner Sports Podcast, the tailgate this week by chatting with Eli Wilkerson and learning about more than just the game that's going on come Saturday. Uh, we're, we're really excited. You know, uh, what, what's cool for us is it's it is an experience like you said you know we have stuff going on across the street and parking lots across the street we got a whole carnival going on in one in one uh parking lot and it's really a chance for us to kind of thank the fans um who may not get a, get a chance to come out and see us all the time just just to really come see the team and and show our appreciation for everything that they do for us $5 i mean i don't know listen i got 3 kids I guarantee you there is nothing. If I bought all of them tickets and my wife, so we're talking five, I don't know if there is anything I can do to get the bang for my buck that we have around the spring game for $25 if I bought a ticket for all of us. And most of it starts early. I mean, at 8.30 in the morning, we have the spring sale. Eli, I've, or eight, 8 in the morning, excuse me, we have the spring sale. I've never had an opportunity to go over and check out some of the deals that are items out of the OU equipment room. What can people expect to see whenever they get over at 8 a.m. at McCaslin? Uh, they can see a lot of stuff, and I think what makes that event so popular, you know, every time I walk over there, there's a huge line way before 8. But what makes it so popular, I think, is is what you said, the exclusive items from the equipment room, whether it be um, it's usually just leftover things, jerseys, things like that, and and that's what makes it so cool. There's also other other groups out there. The bookstore will be out there, so there's there's kind of stuff for everybody. But it is those exclusive things you can't see in the store um, that come from the equipment room uh, that really makes it so popular. And then at 9:30 a.m. we open up not just the junior kids zone but the tailgate party. And as you said. It's a little bit different than what you would experience on game day, and I mean that in a good way, Eli, because you're right, it's like a carnival. There's rides over there. There's tons to do, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we normally have our fan fest during regular games, but this is just kind of like the fan fest on steroids. Um, We'll have, you know, all sorts of carnival rides that are free to anyone who wants to do them. I think we have about five over there. In that same lot, we'll have the schooner over there with the ponies taking pictures. We'll have autographs with the with the spirit squads, um, and then we have just all sorts of uh, little things that, that we've tried to really develop throughout the years, balloon artists, face painters, photo booths, interactive games. So really you can kind of find anything for anybody over there, and it's a, it's a real good um, a family event for everyone to, to kind of be able to go over there and, 
experience everything that they don't see at every game. You can go to Soonersports.com right now, and there is an easy link right on the football page for tickets. You can click on it. It's still $5. I mean, it is $5, but let's go ahead and act fast so you don't get stuck. Um, because, you know, again, there's going to be plenty of tickets available. But, Eli, you want to make sure you get your ticket now so you're ready to go and to be a part of this fun on Saturday. Absolutely, and uh, and one deal we have going that uh, we've partnered with a lot of the local public school districts and, and sent out some flyers. So there is, if you, if you do have a kid in, in elementary school, kind of look for those. Um, they've been out for a while, but get you admission with um, with some of your family as well. So there will be a pretty big line for that. So we do encourage you guys to get your tickets early. Like you said, it's a really good deal. Um, the purpose of this for us is really to get people in the building and have a good time. So, um, yeah, we encourage people to do it now just so you don't have to wait in line and make your experience that much better. All right, so two things here. Number one, for the food trucks that are going to be there, do you have a favorite? I mean, Midway Deli, Mama Oak Tree's Kitchen, the meeting place, and that pie place. Is Is there one that you absolutely have to try, Eli, or should you just sample each one? Well, I'm going to be careful how I answer this so I don't make the other ones mad at me because I want to stay in their good graces. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm a Midway guy, you know. I, I, I love Midway. Um, I love going up there. I love sitting outside. So anytime they come to me, it makes it even better. <laughs> and anything that has pie in its name, that's a winner, right? Exactly, uh, exactly. And you, and you mentioned the face painting. See, I thought it might be kind of cool, Eli, if we set a number for attendance. And if we hit that over on that number, Eli Wilkerson takes part in the face painting booth. Have you, have you got a number in mind that we can set here? And if we hit the over, Eli Wilkerson sports the crimson on one side, the white on the other, and some OU on his cheeks. I think that might be a good incentive for everyone to get out on Saturday. As long as you're there to kind of Facebook Live me while we do it, I'll I'll, I'll take you up on that. I think uh, I'll go with 50. That'll be my number. Oh, I like it. That would that would be fun. Okay, if we can get over 50, Eli Wilkerson, all face paint during the second half of the game. Can you kind of take us through the progression of how the spring game has grown? Because, you know, you go back 20 years, it was basically a scrimmage. Now – We've wanted to do more for the fans, and I think every single year, Eli, there is something more that's added to it. How has it grown to become what it is today? Well, I think you're constantly evolving in, in the way way you want to do things, especially in college athletics. You know, you're always trying to think of the new and better thing, and and with this one, it's it's a little bit easier. Um, what we're really our goal is pretty clear on this one. We really want people to be able to come out and experience something that that they might not at, at a regular football game or a regular event. And we want to make it as fun as it can be from the from before it starts to when it's over. And a lot of that, you know, we, we carry some of that over the end game stuff. You know, it used to just really be um, kind of a practice, and now we'll have a DJ going. We'll have, um, you know, intermixed with the pride. Uh, we'll have different promotions. We'll have some voting things going on during the game with some of our um, text-in technology. So we really just try to make it fun for everybody. And it's just gone little by little, you know. Um, I've been here for about four years, and, and it was great when I got here, and we just try to keep making it better. Let, let me add this, too. From someone who had traveled in quite a bit throughout his his life instead of living here, Norman, like I do now, Eli, I think there's also a benefit for those that maybe don't get around campus. Say if you're from Oklahoma City, Norman, Enid, wherever, or Tulsa, excuse me, and you don't get a chance to see it every day, I think one of the cool benefits of coming down for the spring game is just to see the progression of the stadium and how much it's already grown since the last regular season game. Yeah, absolutely. And what what people don't realize, or you might have forgotten, is we didn't even have a scoreboard last year when we had the spring game. 
So, um, so it's a little bit different. So we're trying to take advantage of that with, uh, with some of the stuff we can do in venue. So, you know, a good example of that is, um, is we'll, we're going to kind of kick off the, the voting for that. There's only one uh, T-shirt that we do every year with some in, in-game text voting. So that'll be a cool thing for them. But, but you're absolutely right. If you haven't seen the stadium, you know, he, this is a great, great opportunity, too. And, and I promise you, you'll be blown away. It's just, it's just a completely different building since, since it was two years ago, and it's, it's just really pretty. All right, so at the core of the spring game, then, is the game itself. I started by catching up with our good friend Dusty Dvorak, who is absolutely crushing it on the national scene. And before we dove into a little Sooner football, we talked a little bit of Dusty Dvorak and kind of how year one went for him working and traveling the globe and covering all kinds of different teams and different conferences for ESPN and what that experience was like for Dusty. really was awesome. Um, probably better than I'd anticipated. You know, it, it was to get a chance to – Study, uh, study two teams to watch their game tape and study them and to kind of try to start to uh, envision what you might anticipate to see and and then to learn all these the moving parts of a in-game broadcast. <laughs> yes. For instance, you know, I, I'm a low show on ESPNU or a, a lower-tier broadcast, and we've got 30 to 35 people on a, on a crew every week. Wow. And... Uh, it's just, it's very, it was interesting. It was a learning process. I got so much better throughout the course of the year, which I should, um, had great people to work with. My producer was awesome. You know, he's worked with, uh, Brian Greasy and, um, Matt Stinchcomb and just so many different people, Joe Galloway and Herm Edwards. And, um, he just worked with a lot of different people. And so he was able to offer a lot to me and, uh, worked with a guy, Clay Magdick, who'd been doing it for, Man, this was Clay's going to be his 12th year next year, so it was 11th year last year. So got to work with some veteran people, uh, and it was fun to, to talk to these coaches, to sit down with Bill, uh, with Bill Snyder on his birthday, his 77th birthday, and to take him chocolate chip cookies and, and read him a car and give him a car. <laughs> you know, to, to go to Oregon State and to be um, uh, in just all over the country. I did in Mississippi and – uh, you know, go to go to start Vegas and call Arkansas to sit down with Brett Bielema. It was very cool. Uh, you know, Dana Holgerson was fantastic. Mike Leach, one of the most interesting coaches. But that was that was a lot of fun, and um, I, I really enjoyed that. But the travel was something I had, I was not prepared for. I don't think, and that was something that was real and very different to be away from home four and five, if not six nights a week at times, for kind of a three- to four-month straight stretch is different. Uh, my wife, uh, Lacey, is such a rock star. You know, we just had a baby. Yeah, baby uh, girl. We had a, a, a six-month-old little girl, and, my, and I got two sons that are seven and four, must be seven and five, and, you know, for her to handle all that with me away, I think is far more impressive than anything I achieved on television at ESPN, but... It was a great year. We made it through. We enjoyed it as a family. And uh, just kind of you know, looking forward to seeing what, what the future holds and uh, whatever that might be. Uh, I, I think, as, uh, there, as Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. There's no end here for Dusty Dvorak, man. No I, I, I loved watching you. It was funny. You bring up having three kiddos whenever – 
uh, whenever we got back, you know, softball is is kind of crazy travel early on. And when I got back from my first road trip being gone, my wife handed me the kids and just walked out of the house. She goes, here. So I can imagine there's been a lot of daddy daycare going on for Dusty Dvorak over the last few weeks, which I'm sure you don't, you don't, you don't mind too much at all, do you? I love it. And you know what's crazy is throughout the course of the season, like the, the actual travel, it was taking a physical toll on me. Like wow. not being, not being able to eat normal meals and just, just, you know, being on flights, so many flights. And then I got to work out quite a bit. So it was my workout schedule. I took a physical toll and I knew I wasn't seeing my family. But once I got back home, I was home, and yeah, you're like, like you said, my wife's like, here you go. But then you're around your kids every day, seven yeah. days a week. Then you really realize how much you were gone. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was, it, again, it was, it was an interesting year, fun, learning. And um, that's why, you know, you never know what the future holds. And sometimes being able to stay close to home and not have to move around quite as much. You know, it's something that's always beneficial and something you always have to look at. It's the best, man. Well, hey, let me let me ask you a, a couple things about the spring game because we're all pumped to have you up in the booth and be able to watch you and get your analysis from it. But there's been a lot of, I don't know if it's concern or maybe over-analyzation or over-evaluation whenever it comes to this shift back to a four-man front. Dusty, is it is it really going to be that different in your perception? No. Everybody – has got to relax. What did Aaron Rodgers say a couple of years ago? Relax. <laughs> R-E-L-A-X. I think he it out, right? Yes. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. This is – everybody's making way too big a deal out of this. So, I mean, if you've been watching the Oklahoma Sooners in the last several years, I mean, they definitely made a move, I don't know if it was three or four years ago, from a traditional four-man front to a more of a traditional three-man front. No question. Um, but if you've been watching the last couple of years, they're very much a multiple front. And when I say that, to try to make it as simple as possible, when you think of a three-man front or an odd front, um, you're kind of you're in a head-up nose, and you're in you know you're in two four eyes, which is the inside shade of the tackle. You're not on edges, and you're not getting up the field. You're more of a uh, read and react front that's going to hold the point essentially and try to clean things up for backers, really, okay? And that's fine, but what it does is it makes it very difficult for those interior three to rush the pass. Okay, so because you're in a bad spot, you know, so it just don't you don't expect much of a pass rush. Where you get the advantage with that is that you now have two outside linebackers or a nickel and a backer, however you want to look at it, and it now makes it more difficult for the offense – whoever's calling the protection to identify where that blitz is coming from. So now you have the advantage because um, you, you can kind of come from wherever. Something You can both come, or if someone can come, someone can drop. So just the unknown is the advantage you have there in a 3-4. With, with a four-man front, or as I call it an even front, because now now you're now you're in gaps, right? Now you're what I, what, what I played in. Now you're shaded nose. Now you're a three technique, which is outside – of the guard. Now you're in a five technique, which is outside of the tackle. Now you're in a, a nine, which could even be outside the, you know, you're just outside jaded. So now you have the ability, football's about angles. Now you have the ability to kind of get up the field and be disruptive. Now, now you can, now you can just kind of, you can wreak havoc. And you don't have as many linebackers on the field. 
Uh, but now you need those defensive linemen to be able to make some of those plays. Like, and that's part of it. And more so than even that, now you have a better chance to rush the pass. Right now you can. Now you're on an edge. Now you can work a man. Now you can really try to be effective in getting there without having the blitz. But but what Oklahoma's been doing is both the last several years. And you may not notice it, and you'll see around college football in the NFL, a lot of teams run an over front or an even or sorry an even front defense. But they will stand up their outside their defensive ends or their outside backers. They just have them in an up position. But really, that's an even front. You still have a shade. You still have a three technique. But you now may just have what looks like a stand-up backer. He's really just a defensive end just standing now. And that's what people have to understand is that it's more about where those guys are aligned. Um, you can have the exact same personnel on the field and be in two different defenses, if that makes sense. So they've been doing both uh, for a while now. What will be different is that they probably majored in or ran more of an odd front. Um, but they have been mixing in an even, especially more so towards last year. Yeah. And, it, and you will see more of them major in out of an even than you will have an odd. But, again, I don't think there will be – hopefully the difference you see is your defensive line being able to be more uh, productive and disrupt. And that's kind of the point. Uh, because when you look at some of your guys, I think that you're in a position that that, that you may you have a better chance for those guys uh, to play kind of to their potential when they're able to get on an edge and they're able to go. So again, I don't think that this is. And also, it's another thing. It's also about recruiting and it's about perception. Yeah, there's a lot of defensive linemen that want to go to places that play a four-man front, that get up the field, that are disruptive. And if you say this is what we are. Well, then you go sell that and you're not lying to anybody. Um, but the reality is you're a multiple front. And most defenses that I've been studying in college football, that's what they are. A lot of people are going to – everybody does it, but a lot of people are going to more of a stand-up defensive end. You may think he's an outside backer, but he's really a defensive end. So relax. We're not <laughs> to recreate will. Uh, nothing crazy is going to happen. It's going to be something they're going to try because maybe their personnel – uh, sets up a little better, uh, but again, it's things they've already been doing, and it's things that they're going to continue to do. So a whole lot's not changing if you really think about it. Yeah, and and I think we get caught up as as fans, and I'm in there. To will you you, you want to be able to define something by numbers? You want to be oh that's a four three or that's the fifty front or that's a three four. But I thought you know I was listening to to Kerry Murdoch's podcast, and I thought he brought up a really good point. We don't get caught up in trying to define it by numbers, right, Dusty? It's you're still Caleb Kelly's still going to be on the field. The playmakers are still going to be right. on the field. It's just going to be something that's familiar to the coaching staff and familiar to a lot of people. They're just going to use guys differently. Yeah, and, but again, like okay, so Oboe, right? Oboe will probably have the Oboe will probably he will have the option to stand up or put his hand down. Like he's gonna he'll be playing a defensive end. But he'll might be standing up. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, again, I just I wouldn't get too worked up in it. Right. Um, I, I I really I just I don't think that to the to the common fan a whole lot's going to change. Do, do the students know this better because they traditionally run it? Yeah, I guess. But um, again, there will still be times where there's not going to be four hands in the dirt. 
Right. And that's where I think people kind of are like, wait a minute, I thought we were, you know what I mean? Like, I guess I would just say, um, if I, I would not get, I wouldn't overanalyze or overlook it, um, these perceived changes that are coming to the defense. Again, they'll be, and yes, to, to your point, Caleb Kelly is still going to be on the field. There's no question. And so is Oboe. And, you know, you've got you've to figure out ways that you can, you know, put people at their strengths uh, and keep everybody, get your best players on the field um, and, and kind of play, try to play their strengths as best as possible. Hey, Dusty, real quick, final thought before I let you go. What are you most intrigued by seeing come Saturday in the spring game? Um, you know, I'm intrigued with the quarterbacks. Got a chance to watch Kyler Murray some, and I just I want to see more of him because he's an incredible athlete. But I'm still not 100% on it, and from what I hear, he's been an incredible baseball player, especially when he gets mm-hmm. on base back, because he's just unbelievably fast, and he is electric with the ball in his hand, like, but there's so much of what, when, you, when I watched him, I and mean, it's small sample size, so it's not a lot. That's why I want to see more. Um, it turns into backyard football, right? Whereas right. I watch Austin Kendall stand in the pocket and really be accurate with the football and make the throws and the reads that you see a la Baker and just if you want to see out of quarterback. So that battle to me, not so much this year, but kind of next, towards next year, is very intriguing. And I want to see more on it because. I do think Kyler Murray is such a special athlete. Boy, I just got to find a way if, if he's not playing quarterback for you, if he's a third-string quarterback, that I don't know where you find a way to get him on the field. But I sure just think a guy with his um, with his abilities could help your football team. So that's intriguing to me. Um, any receivers step up and emerge? Marquise Brown, um, he's got some speed now. He, he can take a, he can take a screen to the house. So I want to see those plays. Um, I want to see Jeffrey Mead catch the football. I, I want to see you know whether it's Nick Basquin or whoever it's going to be. I want to see some pass catchers make some plays and be Brent, maybe it's Grant Calcaterra, two freshman, just got here out of California. Uh, he'll be playing kind of in that Mark Andrews role, that inside slot, inside receiver. Um, I also want to you know defensive line. I think that they're lacking depth. I just want to see. I want to see Neville Gallimore make some plays. I want to see Armani Bledsoe um, make some plays. And uh, you know, obviously Caleb Kelly. You really just want to see those second-year guys continue mm-hmm. um, to make progress. But I've got to, you know, there's some freshmen. I've got to, there's a guy, Kenneth Murray. Yes. I think. I think uh, Chris. You know, we'll see, and I can't wait to see what Ted thinks when he gets a chance to see him because we just haven't had. Defensive players in general, there just aren't a whole lot of nothing that look like him at 18 years old when he should be in high school. I mean, he's 6'2", probably 232 to 235. Unbelievably explosive. Um, very, very fast and just just very quick. Can move in a small space. And, you know, he'll make a mistake. It'll come back. And he'll just make a tackle. He'll make a tackle and take you down and just – Teams are really love football. I think he's got a chance to really impact this defense as a true freshman. So I want to see him out there. They've got a really good looking true freshman class. Addis Gums, Levi Draper. I think he's definitely ways back. I think he's definitely. I mean, he's got a ways to come before he's going to see the field. But still a good quality football player and a really good recruiting class. And you can see 
already by looking at these guys why they have one of the top recruiting classes in the country. The Sermon kid. Love um, him. Look at running backs. He's got such a great frame. Um, draw a blank, but he's number, uh, I believe he's number seven. He's a Juco kid, the running back. He's a little bit smaller, so I want to see those running backs. Wish I could see Rodney Anderson because I think he's just, if he can stay healthy. With this offensive line, Chris, I mean, this offensive line, it's going to have a chance to be one of the better. If you look at the depth and, and the, the, the Creed Humphreys, the true freshman that's already here, the, the players that Bill Beatenbow starting to, to, to bring in, and he's just such a good coach. This offensive line is going to be able to, you know, any, I don't want to say anybody, but you'll be able to put several talented running backs behind this offensive line. And with Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, I think this offense still got a chance to be really good. So, you know, it's just the same old stuff. Uh, Plank, I want to see it all, I guess, because I went through everything. Um, but it's not a year we we had a chance to watch this team make a run and, and win all those games at the end of the year. And obviously, you look, you lost a lot of key pieces, and Didi and, and with our running backs and uh, some of your other players. But there's also a lot of key pieces that are back i.e. the offensive line, the great quarterback you have, some actually some, some really some veteran guys and some some young talent on defense. So uh, I think we're all just excited to see what this team kind of looks like, knowing though that it is a spring game and you should more so expect to see younger guys and some of this freshman class and some of these second year players and hopefully to start to see what some of the depth looks like for a team that you know has got championship aspirations once again, but this is Oklahoma, uh, Mr. Plank, and that's the way it goes around here. I mean, the championships are always expected, and they definitely have a team that's definitely, uh, you would think, going to be in the hunt for um, for those next season. Amen, man. You don't rebuild, you reload. Dusty, you're awesome. I cannot wait to listen to you on Saturday, and uh, have fun, man. I really appreciate you. Thank you. I love you, buddy. It's always fun. Thanks for the time. Boy, great perspective from Dusty. How lucky are we to have a guy like that in the booth this Saturday for the spring game covering the Oklahoma Sooners? Can't wait to watch. Can't wait to listen. Can't wait to follow along. Dusty, Chad, and Jessica will have the call of the Sooner spring game. Now, on the radio side, same crew, only 86 me. I'm going to be in Austin covering the OU women's softball team, the OU baseball team. That's a big series this week, and we'll talk more about that as we wrap up. But Teddy Lehman will be anchoring the coverage on the Sooner sideline, and we kind of asked Teddy just right out there, how different is this defense, everything that's been talked about going to more 4-3, how much of a difference is it going to be for those of us watching in the stands? Yeah, it'll be really vanilla. I mean, typically what you do in spring is you start over and you install your whole defense from square one. You start with the most basic stuff. You install it from uh, from the start, and that's where you go. And They're not all, all the way through spring with the spring game, so they don't have their entire defense installed. But, yes, in front of the fans, in front of the cameras, it's going to be all super vanilla. Now, when we start getting closer to the season, I know you, you talk about this every day on your radio show, and I know everyone has questions, but what is going to be the biggest difference? Is it going to be noticeable? Is it going to be a massive shift? Is it, I mean, is it going to be shocking with what we see, Teddy, with how they change this to the four-man front? How much is going to change? I don't – to the – to the casual observer, I don't think you'll notice any difference at all. Um, what, what the difference is going to be the interior line be lined up instead of in an odd front, which you would call uh, a guy head up over the center, 
and two guys head up over the tackles, you won't you won't see that. You'll see a you'll have a defensive end who will be outside of a tackle. You'll have a three technique, and then you'll have center guard in the shade. Um, on the outside, you're going to have one defensive end who's going to be oboe who's still standing up. So it's all going to look the exact same as what you saw last year. The only difference is some of the alignments across the front with the other defensive linemen. So it, it's all going to look exactly like it looked a year ago. What are you excited to see? On Saturday, Teddy, I mean, again, you've been through a lot of these, not just as a player, but also now uh, as a media member working on the sidelines with us. What's what's intriguing you the most come Saturday spring game? I, you know, <laughs> maybe I say this every year, Plank. I, I don't know. But to me, it's the linebackers. <laughs> I keep hearing about this group of linebackers and how they can run and how they can play. And uh, there's there's several guys that are just super, super athletic. There's a ton of competition at the at the position. I just can't wait to see these guys flying all over the field because, you know, we've been solid at inside backer over the last couple of years, but we haven't been dominant. We haven't had super, super playmakers like maybe we've had a couple of years in the past. I think with this group of guys that we've got on campus right now, there's there's some stars in the making. What is the biggest adjustment for a guy that might be going from the outside to the inside? At the linebacker position? Oh, it's so much easier to go from inside to outside than it is from outside to inside. Whenever you're over the football, your vision, the way you look at the offense completely changes. When you're able to stand on the outside and just basically know that I've got to keep everything inside of me, my responsibility is to cover the first guy that, that goes to the flat in the passing game, it's super, super easy. Now you step into the inside and you've got to read keys. You got to follow, follow pulling offensive linemen. You got to read an H back across the formation on a split zone. Everything is completely different. It's a whole new ball game moving from outside to inside guys that go from inside to outside. will tell you, Oh, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. It's so much easier to play outside. But the guys that go from outside in, it's a completely different ballgame. I always find it interesting, and uh, again, I'm, I'm not an X and O guy. I rely on you for every single little bit of that. Um, but I always find it interesting with fans how we completely forget about the guy that was there last year and suddenly start to find the next guy. You know, everyone mm-hmm. is kind of – they've kind of forgotten about Emmanuel Beal, and everyone's talking about right. some of the young guys. But, Teddy, for a guy like Beal who might be playing a little bit of outside this year, we'll see. You know, again, we don't know. How much does it help him being a little bit of an older guy, having worked a little bit inside and having the ability to do both? Because he's a guy I haven't heard anything about leading up to the spring game. That's true. I mean – the, the springtime in training camp is where we hear a bunch of new names and new buzz, but it always seems like by the time we make it around to the, the regular season, it's the same casting characters, right, as, <laughs> as, as we're used to. But I think Bill has a little bit of a leg up getting some good experience last year. Um, the, the defensive coaches know his capabilities, know what he can do, and he's able to build on what, you know, the foundation he had from a year ago. So, I think you should see – I mean, this spring will be the time whenever he makes his biggest jump. Right. So, and not only because of the – knowing the playbook a little bit better, knowing the – you know, just being a little bit more familiar with the coach and everything, 
not only that, but the competition, right? Whenever the competition starts to step up and there's a bunch of new guys in the room and everyone looks good and they're fast and it's really competitive, then that brings the best out in everyone. You weren't an early enrollee, were you? No. So you actually... No, and, and I don't know that... That was that was something that I hadn't even heard of at the time. I mean, there okay. may have been one or two guys here and there that did that, but this is a this is a pretty new type of phenomenon. Maybe the last you know eight or ten years. With that, God, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I I heard you say it on the radio the other day, and it's so true. You say in your mind, you say, oh, that was a couple of years ago, and it was like '97, which still in your right. mind seems like it was a couple of years ago, but now it was 20 years ago. Uh, but with that said. For you, you went in straight out of high school, straight out of Fort Gibson, went to fall camp, boom, you were playing. So how much after a year experience, Teddy, for you did spring ball help? How much did that – because as fans sometimes I think either we get too over-evaluative of it or, or basically dismiss it. But as a player, especially someone who played a season without having spring ball, how much personally did it help you? Well, okay, so my freshman year I didn't have a whole lot of time, the whole college – football thing was really overwhelming didn't play a whole lot you know I was I was a backup linebacker to Torrance Marshall but the whole thing was like super overwhelming to me um that next spring you know I slid into the starting Mike linebacker spot and I made a pretty good jump as a player and then went into my sophomore year as a starter at Mike linebacker and I had Rocky Kalmus playing Will linebacker right next to me and that helped a lot having his experience. So after that year, and I think this is where you can kind of tie this into maybe Emmanuel Bill and some of the other players on the team because of Jordan Evans leaving. Whenever Rocky Kalmus left and I went into that spring before my junior year, it was kind of a, I mean, I don't know, like the leadership of, at the position was kind of up for grabs, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Right. And I just kind of went in there and grabbed it from the first practice of spring. And that confidence and taking over that role for me just completely changed my mind frame and changed the way I played the game. And it was the best experience for me. Not that it was bad to be next to Rocky and Rocky was the leader. That was great because I – you know, I learned from the best, but for me, it was a complete change to kind of be the guy, if you know what I mean. And so that position with Jordan Evans being gone is going to be up for grabs and whoever takes a hold of it is going to make some big strides this spring and in training camp. I know we talked so much about the defense, Ted, and I, I wanted to ask one more offensive question before I let you run, but I mean... It, We'll see some guys make plays. Again, we'll see a very scripted, somewhat vanilla look on Saturday. But are you intrigued by what we might see from the receiver position on Saturday? I am. I think there's a bunch of athletic guys. Oklahoma has a great track record at, you know, spitting out great wide receivers left and right. So someone's going to take over. I'm <laughs> not saying they're going to be as good as D.D. Westbrook or, or Shepard, but someone's going to take over and have a big year. I The buzz – right now is Grant Calcaterra and how good he is. That's who I've got my eyes on this weekend. I want to see what he's got. All right, man. And uh, as always, it's an excuse to talk football in the middle of April, right? Don't you love it? I mean, <laughs> we get a little, a week or two here to just kind of immerse ourselves in football. It's awesome. Butkus Award winner, Bednarik Award winner, 
all Big 12, all world, Teddy Lehman. Great information as always. You can follow him on the Sooner Radio Network this weekend as we have you have you covered from the TV booth to the radio booth, from the press box to the sidelines here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Real quick as we wrap up, I just wanted to remind everyone that in addition to the spring game this weekend, and obviously that's been our big focus here on the tailgate. We have big games all weekend long with the OU baseball team playing Texas down in Austin and the OU softball team with a three-game set down in Austin as well, too. Remember, you can follow along with Listen Live links, and we're even on the Longhorn Network this weekend on the softball side by simply logging on to Soonersports.com to get all the details and all the information you need to follow the Sooners in Austin with baseball and softball. That'll do it for us. Uh, good luck to Mark Williams and the men's gymnastics team. I know I promised Yule Moldauer. Uh, we're going to get Yule on the Tuesday edition of the t- uh, game plan coming up on the Sooner Sports Podcast. So make sure to look for standout OU gymnast Yule Moldauer next week on the Sooner Sports Podcast, and we'll have a complete recap of the spring game as well, too. Until then, thanks so much for downloading. Thanks so much for listening. For Dusty and Teddy and Eli Wilkerson, I'm Chris Blank saying have a great week in Sooner Nation and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.